On today's show, I am interviewing Roger Woodall. You might also know him as Dodge. He is the founder of the Bournemouth Sevens Sporting Festival. It's the sporting equivalent of Glastonbury. He's the host of the Eventful Entrepreneur podcast and the co-host of the Harry Redknapp show. How amazing is that? Can you imagine during a global pandemic managing a huge events company, privately owned, no investors? He was hit with probably the worst thing that could happen to his business. And what I love about today's show is that you will see how it is completely possible to adopt a mindset that is going to serve you even in the toughest times in your life. So if you're struggling with anything right now, getting towards your goals, it does not matter what that, that struggle or that challenge is. Roger is going to explain how to adopt the mindset that you need to actually serve you instead of hinder you when you're facing challenges. So enjoy the show. You're going to love it. My name is Dan Harvey. I am part of a grassroots movement of coaches, teachers, and entrepreneurs who are making a living from sharing their passion. We are passion fighters. We're regular people who made a decision. We said no to the nine to five, no to being tied to one location, and no to unsociable hours. What we love is what we get paid for. So if you are tired of fake gurus promising you a no-work, massive-profit solution, then stick with us to get actionable, relevant, and proven principles on how to grow a sustainable business. The Passion to Profession show shares the stories of the people behind the Passion Fighter movement, and this is your invitation. If you have a drive to succeed, a willingness to learn, and a skill to share with the world, then you are a passion fighter now. Don't miss out. Hit the subscribe button and enjoy the show. Dodge, thank you so much for being here. Kick us off with a little bit of an introduction to yourself. Wow, there we go. Put me on the spot, Dan. <laughs> a little introduction. Um, I have been in the events world for 20 plus years. Um, and I've thrown thousands of parties in nightclubs all around the UK. In fact, 1,500 parties in 40 different cities and towns around the UK over a 10-year period. Um, and I created two wonderful brands that lasted, one called popyourcherry.com and one called Bubble Love. And we put in anywhere between 1,000 and 3,000 students every single week into nightclubs all around the country. At peak, we scaled up. We had 12 nightclubs every week in different cities from Manchester to London to Brighton to Birmingham to Leicester to Oxford, etc., etc. Three parties on a Monday, three on a Tuesday, three on a Wednesday and three on a Thursday. Did that for 10 years. Um, and then the next step, that was from 1999 to 2008. And the next step was to go into create a festival. And now I'm the owner of Bournemouth Sevens Festival, 30,000 people partying in a field for three days um, with 12 festival arenas from big top dance tents to 80s tents to VIP, VVIP, et cetera, et cetera. Um, 400 competing teams. It's a sport and music festival, which hasn't been done before. I launched that in 2008 and uh, I've been running that for the last 13, coming to our 14th year now. I also set up a sportswear brand in 2010 called Viper 10 Sportswear. And we built that and we were made an offer we couldn't refuse in 2018 and that was sold. So that's oh. my world in a very small 20 year period. <laughs> nice yeah. summary, Dodge. You, no, you probably don't know this, and, and some of our listeners do and some don't, but I, I used to be a musician myself. I played in a band 
um, a touring band for, for four years. We had a top 40 album and stuff. And um, I, so I know firsthand that in that world, uh, especially putting on events and festivals and stuff like that, most, and I mean like 99 point something percent are loss-making enterprises and, and many can't sustain themselves. What are the biggest mistakes that people make, or maybe not even mistakes at this point, but like, why is that the case? Because only in my opinion, Dan, so I can only speak for um, from my experience and stuff. The reason why I created a sport and music festival is because 2008, 12, 13, 14 years ago, I identified that music festivals, there wasn't very many back then, mind you. There's only a good 15. There's now this talk of thousand or something in the UK. Um, but proper festivals, they might be, I don't know what the number is right now, but there's a lot. Um, and the reason why they don't make money, a lot of them don't make money, is because the whole emphasis is on the lineup. And when you're a promoter or a festival owner and you're focused on the lineup, you might be in for a million quid. You might be in for two or three or four million quid before you sell a ticket. That's putting serious pressure on you. So, so to break even, you might have to get 30,000 people or 25,000 people just to break even. You know, that's a huge risk. Um, obviously, you've got the cost to put on the festival. You know, you've got the marquee. You've got the sound, you've got the lighting, you've got the infrastructure, you've got the security, you've got the police, you've got the council, you've got the toilets, the showers, the fencing, and then probably about another 50 things you don't think about that you've got to pay for. And the business model, when it works, is fantastic. I wouldn't say 99.9% don't make money. There's a lot of festivals out there that don't make money, but from the outside, they look like they are making money because of the lineups and the brand they create. And... Um, so I find it a real shame because there's some wonderful festivals out there, some wonderful brands. Um, but normally what happens is, a, is a, an events organizer says, well, I want to be a festival promoter. I want to own a festival. And then in year one, they jump in with two feet. They might lose half a mil, a mil, 250 grand, whatever it may be. They go in for year two and you think we can make this work. They might lose another quarter of a million quid, half a million quid or a million quid. And then you're caught on this catch 22 of do you walk away from it? Do you carry on? And then normally about year three or four, they look at investors. Investors come in, pump money into it, take shares within that company. And uh, then you start losing control. You know, then you start being told what to do. And then as the years go on, it might be year six or seven when they break even. Um, so yeah, it's, um, it's a risky business, but when you get it right, it's huge rewards. Mm. I guess what's interesting, what's like, sounds like a challenge to me is like, if I think about how many times it, as a company passion, if we iterate in one year, we, we might do hundreds of different tests w across the business in a year. But if you have one festival a year, you saw it's sort of like a, a one <laughs> shot, right? You have per year. Yeah, mate. That's all the pressure. So you imagine all your eggs in one basket. You're working 362 days a year to earn all your money on three days of the year. That's crazy. That's pressure. So that I was crazy. with a I was with a friend of mine who's the chairman of a Premier League football club, and he did a talk the other day. Well, not the other day when we maybe I have six months ago. I gave a talk and was like, "God, oh, the pressure of a football club. We only have twenty days a year to earn all our money." And then he turned to me. He was like, "Dodge, what about you?" I was like, "It's three days, yeah. you know." But the revenue streams are good. You know, you've got six or seven revenue streams. You've got the ticket sales. You've got the camping and glamping. You've got sponsorship. Uh, you've got the VIP and VVIP, you've got the catering units all pay you there, and the main one is the bar. So there's six or seven revenue streams to, to earn money from a festival. 
Um, but it's about making sure that for me, and the reason why we are privately owned still is because I didn't go down the route of putting, spending a million pound on a lineup. I went down the route of creating an experience that people will never forget. I went down the route of creating an experience where you've got like-minded people in a field partying for three days. And it, for me, it's about creating that experience and the experience beats any lineup. Now, what you've got in the UK is that it's a fickle crowd. So you and I say, right, come on, where are we going to a festival this year? Well, who do you like? Well, you like Kings Leon. I like the Killers. Oh, let's go to that festival because next year, oh, the Killers are another festival. So we'll try that one. Where ours is, people keep coming back, repeat business, it's like 80% repeat business. And then they bring 10 people, they bring 10 people. So for us, it's creating that electric atmosphere where you've got people partying in a field in different genres of music everywhere. And then once we sell out our 30,000 tickets, we then announce the lineup, which was very risky, but it's worked. And I thank the Lord that it's worked. <laughs> yeah. You've just come through 2020. We're, yeah. re we're recording this on March 1st, 2021. Um, that's not the best year for an events company. Tell me a bit about what happened for you. For me personally? Yeah, yeah. you and, and the company, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were about to open the doors to our 13th festival. All our tickets sold out. And our festival is on the May bank holiday weekend. And Boris Johnson spoke on the 23rd of March, two months prior. And that was the bit when he said, just on BBC in front of 25, 30 million people, there's a pandemic coming and it's peaking on the Maybank holiday weekend, which was our weekend. Wow. So I was like, shit, here we go. So the first thing I did was work to type into Google, what's pandemic, what's COVID, what's Corona, what are all these words he's coming out with? And it made me realize we got to act quickly. So you can't just move a festival like that. You can't just change a day. You've got to, speak to the police, speak to the council, speak to the fire, speak to the airport, uh, speak to the venue about changing the date and then speak to the customer. So we did that. And because we're a, a nimble team of 10 full-time staff who work on this all year round, obviously on the weekend, we've got 800 staff every day. It's a, it's a beast. Um, we managed to turn it around in seven or eight days and we moved the date to August bank holiday weekend last year. So it gave us breathing space. We thought, yeah, this pandemic's going to go by then. And then it got to June, July, Glastonbury went, Reading went, Boomtown went, uh, Lost Village went, all the, all the all, you know, uh, boardmasters went. And we're like, oh, my God, here we go. It looks like we're going to have to cancel. So I went from postponing, moving the date, to then cancelling. And it, for me, when, you know, I've worked 4,000 days on this. It's my baby. You know, we're a, we're a tight-knit business, and it's my baby. So... It was hard for me to announce. It took me about five days. Once I said, right, we're going to have to cancel it because the government said all festivals canceled. It took me about five days to announce it to the UK public, putting it out on video and, and send it all out there. But I also knew, I've been here before. You know, I, I've been here. We launched the festival in the last recession in 2008. I saw a huge opportunity. We launched our Viper 10 sportswear brand in the last recession because I saw a huge opportunity. And when he announced it last year that, you know, we're going to have to postpone and cancel, I saw a huge opportunity again. You know, the entrepreneur, this is the perfect time I made for stuff like this. And um, listen, listen, we lost a lot of money. No two ways about this. You lose a lot of money because you've still had all your overheads to pay for the whole year, all your staff, all your offices. That's not going to get clawed back anywhere. So, you know, 
I was excited. I was really, really excited in a weird way. People thought I was mad, but I was genuinely excited because it's allowed me to create two, three new businesses within the last year and allowed me to see gaps in the market and angles that I would never have normally seen if the pandemic hadn't arrived. And so I've got a lot to thank this last year and I've been laser focused the last 12 months and having the entrepreneurial spirit back again. Because when you build a business, you know, most businesses, 18 months will fail. 50% of them will fail in 18 months. 80% um, of them fail in five years. And a very small percentage of them carry past 10 years any business. And, you know, we're coming into year 14. So when you've worked on something solid, you it, it turns into a well-oiled machine. You're tweaking and improving and adding value and creating more experience and bringing more to the festival every year that in 2016, I was, able, I was able to take a step back, you know, because that well-oiled machine, I've got a wonderful team around me of all entrepreneurs and, and, and brilliant, brilliant people. And um, that's one of my strengths is building good people around me. Um, yeah. So yeah, 2016, 2016, I, 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 you know, I had my boy and my wife and we were holidayed a lot and same in 2017 and 18 and 19 and 20 came. It's like, get back, here we go. There's a recession about to happen big things there. There's lots of opportunities. It's the land of opportunity, you know, and uh, I, I, this last 12 months, I've had the best spring in my step that I've had in since launching Bournemouth Sevens 14 years ago. Wow. Yeah. You know, I think, I think it's really important for, for you listening right now. If, if last year has been really tough for you as it has been for many of us uh, to, to see it with that new light that Dodge is explaining there is just so empowering to think, you know, it is like when when big change happens, there's a huge amount of opportunity and whatever it is that that we're struggling with in terms of it doesn't even have to be the pandemic. It could be like, OK, I don't have a lot of time. It could be like, you know, I'm looking after the kids and and I've, I'm busy or I've got financial stress or whatever it is. But seeing that there's actually always opportunity, you've got a person here, Dodge, you know, Dodge, I actually read you can tell me if this is um, if you can talk about this or not, but I read that you had to pump in like half a million last year to keep it keep it going is that right yeah yeah you know here's someone who's this putting is, in <laughs> go on yeah this is real money as well there's no yeah. there's no backers here there's no board there's yeah. no one i'm answering to we're yeah. privately owned i've kept it that way for 20 odd years i haven't sold out to anyone people want to buy us but i don't want to be owned by anyone i don't want to be told by anyone uh, and there's times where people go, you're mad because if the, when the pandemic happened, you wouldn't have to worry about a thing. But that's life, man. We've had yeah. great years. We've had a bad year because you lose a load of money. But good times are going to come back. It's only a blip. You know, there's all doom and gloom out there and whatever. This is only a blip. Yeah. And that's yeah. the excitement for me. Yeah, me too. I remember it was March 16th. Our, our performance, like our new customer acquisition, everything, marketing just dropped off a cliff. It was because the announcement in the US where a lot of our customers are happened like I think a week a week before it happened in the UK. Trump did this this like speech and all of a sudden everything just broke like our, overnight there was no new customers coming in. Our existing customers were leaving. We got together around a table and, and you said seven or eight days, which is interesting. It was the same for us between the 16th and 23rd. I think it was we completely pivoted our marketing message our onboarding approach, how we looked after our existing customers. And from March 23rd until about the end of May was just like unbelievable growth. Um, now, of course, I'm not putting myself in your category because 
I'll be honest, ours is an online business. It's, a, it's way easier to pivot, but we did a small pivot. You had to monumentally shift. But I, but I agree with the mindset there of thinking like, how do we, how do we actually use this opportunity? Tell us what's, what happened for you personally, because I see you're now co-hosting a podcast with Harry Redknapp, which is awesome. <laughs> and like, tell, tell me what's going on. Oh, my world has been madness, Dan. And we're coming up to 12 months now. It's March the 23rd. We're now March the 1st. I couldn't have written this story if I was honest with you. Obviously, you lose a festival. Um, so straight away on the 23rd, when I heard this, I was like, right, I need to find a new business. So <laughs> I, for a month, I was on YouTube and Google 16, 18 hours a day just looking for a new business to be pandemic proof. I always thought our festival was weatherproof they're, they're your biggest problems maybe a plane lands and ruins your whole festival you have to cancel it or maybe there's such bad bad weather you have to cancel it but they were my only fears i never didn't even know what pandemic was and um and then maybe you think well i need to create a business that's pandemic proof and that's like you just mentioned it's all about online so after about 30 days i went through load down rows of rabbit holes and 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 but i all but i also knew you know, I've been pioneer of the student nights in 1999 to 2008. No one was doing it. And then pioneer of a sport and music festival. No one was doing it. And then the same with the Viper 10 sportswear brand. No one was doing it. We beat that business model. And then I was like, this year, I'm like, I need to find an angle. And my angle was that we're experts in the events industry, but most students go to university and study event management or business management or sports management to get into the events industry. Well, that's a myth, a really, really bad myth that you have to have a degree to get into the industry. So I looked at it and I was like, okay, they're spending £9,000 a year on tuition fees, £27,000 over three years, and leaving university with 40 to 50 grand's worth of debt around their neck before they start their career. I was like, what on earth is that about? This is crazy. I need to beat the drum about this. So... We've been working on this course now for nine months. We've created an events course that's just been rubber stamped by CIM, Chartered Institute of Marketing, to allow us to go global. Um, we're launching the course in three months' time. I basically saw an angle and a gap in the market that instead of doing three years and coming out with 50 grand of debt, we can do a three-month course with us for £2,000 and learn from industry experts today rather than learning from a lecturer reading stuff to you written from a book 20 years ago so what i've done i've pulled in all my contacts from the olympics the marathon chelsea football club Boardmasters, glastonbury all the different festivals and events big wedding companies conferences and brought them all in and we are we have been creating an online course um, teaching people how to get in the events industry teaching people how to create a brand how to uh, plan an event how to promote an event, how to market an event digitally, how to sell an event, how to put an event on whilst learning entrepreneurship skills and leadership skills. So it's basically we're creating a business in a box. Um, and that's where the gap in the market is. And uh, we're going to be launching that in, in June this year. And uh, we're super, super excited. You know, we are bringing 40 of the industry experts to our studios here to film an hour guest talk on their expertise in their field. And, it allows us, you know, allows us to, it allows us to give people an opportunity to learn more in three months than they can in three years at a fraction of the price and a fraction of the time. So we're solving a problem. 
You know, you look at Apple, they're constantly improving. You look at car companies, constantly improving. You look at clothing companies, Under Armour, constantly improving. Universities haven't improved. They haven't moved with the times. So that's where the angle is. Don't get me wrong, university's great. And I went to sports university 20 odd years ago. It's great to meet people, great to party, great to play sport, great to make contacts and great to grow up from the age of 18 to 21. But actually you don't need a degree to get into most industries you want to get into these days, unless you're a lawyer or a vet or something along those lines, an accountant, I understand that. But so there's a huge gap in the market and we're super excited, super excited. It's called the, it's gonna be called the event crowd. So check that out. We're gonna build a wonderful, wonderful community there. And this course is gonna be set on there. Let me jump away from the show for just one second, because if you want to launch or grow your online coaching business, then I have got an important message for you. Every day I see new success stories pop up in the Passion Fighter community and I just had to know how were they doing it. So I interviewed 84 of our most successful Passion Fighters to find out how are they generating substantial recurring income with their own app. And I was surprised. I discovered that actually all of them are following the same three steps. So I put together a training that reveals those three steps with real life case studies from passion fighters like the married couple David and Caroline who hit a six figure income within just months of joining Passion for their fitness app, okay? And because you're listening to this podcast right now, you can attend that training for free. To secure your free spot and discover those simple steps and just how simple it can be to create your own app, go to passion.io forward slash scale, okay? Or you can click the link in the show notes. So that link again is passion.io forward slash scale. Now let's get back to the podcast. That's awesome. Really cool. You know, one of our clients uh, runs something called the Travel Bootcamp, and these are three travel influencers who used to earn their money from traveling, right? Pandemic hit and they've had their best year yet because what they're doing is teaching others, hey, once this is over, if you want, you know, we know how to make money as a travel influencer and um, they have a similar a similar model to what you're describing. They did yep. one and a half million dollars in their first year, which yep. is a pretty good first year. Um, Online courses, wild wild i'm seeing these numbers and figures coming out this is wild very different business i've, I've had physical businesses all my life as you know from parties sportswear da, 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 festivals it's physical businesses and i love that as an entrepreneur and you know i've never had a job never worked for anyone so that's what i know i've now opened myself up to this world of my expertise bringing everyone in that people can buy a course online anywhere in the world australia new zealand canada us and the UK, English-speaking countries. Yeah. It's mind-blowing. It's, it's an incredible market. It's, it's, as you know, the market we're in, essentially. And the reason why we... Um, this might be interesting for you, Dodge, and, and I'm sure for the people listening as well. The reason why we don't say that with passion you can build an online course, we, we call it a transformational learning experience, yep. is that yep. online courses have on average... I like that, Dan. I like that. Thank you, Dodge. Transformation learning course yeah yeah wow exactly learning experience is what we call it yeah the reason is online courses have a six to seven percent completion rate so imagine if like 
six to seven percent of people who bought tickets for your festival actually showed up, right? It, There'd be it, no bomb money. <laughs> yeah, it, it doesn't it doesn't make any sense. If only six percent of books are ever read or or six percent of the vaccines actually worked. Yeah. Right. So the thing with online courses is it's an incredible market for the entrepreneur, but a typical frustration that people have, and you might find this once you launch in June, is like, I'm selling these courses, they're selling really well, I'm making good money, but like 6% are even getting to the end, like what the hell is going on? And, there's, and, and what we've identified is there's a couple of key reasons why that's the case. If, and, and if you think about university, I agree with you, I, I have, I've, got one, I've got one third of a degree because I left after one year. If you think about university, I, like, 96% or 94% of people don't leave university like I did, actually most finish. And so although, you know, there's a lot that's broken about the traditional education system, what's actually good about it is that people actually go through it. And why do they? A couple of things. First of all, they're in a group of their peers who go through this thing together. So they start together and they finish together. If you drop out, you're the odd one out and, and you don't want to do that, right? So, whereas online courses, you buy it, and you just think it's a bit like a book on a shelf. You think, oh, I'll read it one day. I'll look at it one day. And people, te people tend not to. Most, as I say, don't finish it. The second reason is accountability. When you're at university, there's a lecturer, usually, who's like checking your attendance, right? And also your peers know if you've shown up or not. And so there's this feeling of like, I need to do the work and I need to show up because otherwise I'll be embarrassed or I'll be seen or whatever. Again, with an online course, it's not the case. Um, and so, and then the final thing is like devices, like most online courses are designed for desktop and really like we're all mobile now. So, so we, for transformational learning experiences, we think about mobile first and mobile apps. Um, and, and really once you, once you crack those, those three things, like having everyone go through in a group, go through in a group, have accountability, have like feedback between the instructor and the students and, um, have it on mobile. The, the completion rate rate absolutely shoots up. We're talking like yeah, 60, yeah. 70 percent plus yeah. depending on uh, depending on the, the pricing and all that sort of thing. That and that's crazy? what we're going down. It's crazy figures, crazy figures. It's really nice to hear. But that's the route we're going down. We're going monthly cohorts. That's great. And the good thing with us is that you get a diploma and certificates. And once you get that diploma and certificates and you pass the exam at the end and you're going through the course, that CV will be at the top of the pile for the contacts we got to put that person's CV in front of the noses of the right people around the UK in the events industry, because they've done right. the event crowd course. Love that. So it's, 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 for me, it's really important that those numbers stay high. I don't want people buying a course and thinking it's just some course off the shelf. This is a, this is a course of, of experts that we care. You know, it's about the next generation. You know, I'm 40. It's about the next generation coming through. And, you know, I'm on Clubhouse at the moment and there was an event management student students on there the other day 20 of them all with the fear what, what do they do where do they turn to they've got their degrees what do they turn to i just gave them the confidence you know it's about getting in front of the noses of the right people getting under the noses of the right people but you have to be banging doors down you can't expect them to come to you because there are so many people with degrees these days that as an employer i don't care about a degree Same. i care about the person i care about are they bang on the ball are they sharp are they good fun are they a team player have they got the capabilities that they, they can learn? Are they open-minded? Have they got a spring and a step when they come into work and create a great atmosphere? The simple things that are forgotten, you know, and um, that's how I employ. And that's why we've got a brilliant team here of sporty, fun people who just get it. 
Now, don't get me wrong. There's obviously you know, the marketing and the and the planners and the uh, and and all the different sections within a business. Don't get me wrong, but everyone's got the same mentality. And and the thing is, you can teach anyone anything as long as they're open to be taught. That's right. I 100% agree with regard to hiring, like hire an attitude every time, yeah. every single time. Yeah. I actually, sometimes people ask me like, oh, the so-and-so in your team, what did they study? I'm like, oh, I have no, no idea. So <laughs> I don't read CVs, number one. I don't look at their degree. I don't ask them about their degree because I don't care. I'll find out about them. I employed a girl the other day. There was three people, you like this one, there's three people who got to the final, what do you call it? And this one girl come in and, on, and she said, oh, I said, what's your sport? She went, actually, it's football which when I hear a girl say, I was, oh, brilliant. I'd say, how many keepy-uppies can you do? She said, 100. I went, okay, let's go in the car park. Took all the staff out. They gave her a ball, and she had a pair of espadrilles on, which aren't the best things to do. <laughs> she, did, she did 55 keepy-uppies, and I said, right, you got the job. <laughs> just, she's with us. She's amazing. You know, just, I'm not saying we do that for everyone, but I'm just giving you a little <laughs> example, you know. So, yeah, okay. it's all good. But, yeah, going back, you know, going back to your original question, this year has been wonderful. So I've been working on the course. Yeah. And we're building a wonderful brand around that. And it's all about the next generation, that sort of 17 to 30 year old, rather than the people already in the industry. Um, and on the back of that, that, you know, I've kept myself private all my life. And then the staff are saying, look, you need to go public. You need to create a personal brand. So I was like, oh, no, I don't want to go down that route of a personal brand of rogerwoodall.com. So anyway, we created a brand called The Eventful Entrepreneur. Um, and that works wonderful. The amount of events I put on, I've been an entrepreneur all my life, so I was comfortable with that. So we launched that four months ago, and we launched a podcast called The Eventful Entrepreneur, where I told my story, um, and people loved it, and the reviews on Apple iTunes were amazing. I was like, oh, my God, people are liking this because it's real and raw, I guess. And uh, so I started bringing friends of mine and interviewing some, some sporting icons and some proper entrepreneurs and people in the event space and festival space, festival owners. Anyway, the reviews on Apple have been amazing. So we've done these weekly podcasts now for four months um, and I've really loved it. It's really therapeutic and it's all new to me. Even this is all new to me, what we're doing now, because I've been private all these years. Mm. And um, so we wanted to create the Eventful Entrepreneur brand. And I got a phone call about six weeks ago, seven weeks ago from a, a chap on my mobile and I'm a private number. So is that Dodge? I went, yes. He said, uh, my name is da, da, da. I'm the head of production for I'm a Celebrity. Get me out of here. I was like, I thought someone was taking the mickey and I was like, I said, can I come and see you tomorrow? I was like, yeah, where are you based? I said, I'm in Bournemouth. And where are you? He said, London. I said, I want to come down and meet you. So he came down and said, look, we love your podcast. Um, we love how you present it and how you are. Would you like to host, co-host a new podcast called the Harry Redknapp show? So I was like, oh my God, of course I would. You know, it's my hero as a kid. We're all West Ham fans as kids and, and adults now. And he lives up the road, up the road here in Sandbanks, down in, down in Poole. And um, yeah, that all come about. The next day, there was me, Harry and Frank Lampard on our first show. And then we've had uh, a couple of weeks ago, it was me, Harry and Piers Morgan. And then the next week was Rod Stewart and Eddie Hearn. And the list just goes on and on. And we've had such fun. So what I'm saying is, is COVID has brought so much, so many wonderful things that normally wouldn't have happened because if we had had the festival last year, we'd be having six months off now after the last festival and enjoying life and carrying on and flying here and enjoying. And because COVID came along, it's allowed me to start creating again. And lots of good things. When you raise your energy levels up in life and in business, all these people start calling in and you start pulling in people. And it's just been an amazing experience. Yeah. 
That's awesome. And for those listening, you know, you're thinking like, oh, I wish I would get a phone call, you know, that Harry Redknapp wants to co-host a podcast with me. Just know that like Dodge has been putting in the work in all these different projects. And those yeah, things, yeah. those, as, as you say, you raise your energy level. Those things come to you yes, when, yeah. you put it, when you when you put in what's required to get there. Um, yeah, 100%. Dodge, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. I know that our listeners and viewers will want to follow you and, and find out more. So like, where should they come and, uh, and follow you? Well, I'm new to all the whole uh, social media thing. So yeah, I've been on there four months, but check out uh, at Eventful Entrepreneur or just type in at Dodge or Roger Woodall, you'll find me there. So you'll find me on LinkedIn and Instagram and uh, definitely check out the podcast because I think people will really like it. If you're an entrepreneur, you're going to love this podcast because it's real. There's no jargon. This is real chat. And I dig deep into people's minds and the highs, lows and pressures. It's good love fun. that. Awesome. Dodge, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank yeah, you, everyone, Dan. for listening. It's uh, Passion to Profession and see you guys next time. Good man, Dan. Take care, people. You too. Thanks, Dodge. That was awesome. Thank you so much for listening. Our mission is to grow this movement to over 30,000 people as quickly as possible. You can support us by leaving a review, hitting subscribe, and staying passionate.